Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome out to those that are here. Welcome to those that are joining us online as well. Um, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Hey, just kind of reiterating a little bit, I uh, want to encourage you guys to come out um, this Friday and Saturday. We have four different services at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. It's just a great time to hit the pause button on what normally is a very hectic uh, evening and come and direct our hearts towards Jesus. Um, so plan on doing that. We'll have the, the South Auditorium set up with a video feed as well for if you have squirmy toddlers or squirmy husbands you can go over into the south auditorium as well but plan on joining us uh this coming th or, uh, friday and saturday I mean, let me pray for us as we get started father we do thank you uh, thank you for meeting with us uh, thank you that you are worthy of our worship and our praise and god we thank you for your word and as we open up our hearts and our minds to receive from you we pray that you would implant your truth into our hearts that we would um see a clearer picture of who you are and where you want to lead us. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are wrapping up this series called Joy to the World, where we've been looking at the importance of choosing joy in our daily lives, and then also finding the ways that we can spread that joy to the world around us. And this time of year provides a lot of different opportunities for, for us to experience the joys of life. I have a sweet tooth, and I have a daughter who loves to bake, and I enjoy her cookies all year long, but this time of year, I do like a double or triple portion of her cookies, and it brings such joy to my heart. Even if I have to loosen up the belt a few notches, I, I love eating her cookies. You know, we, we go to, to parties, and we celebrate people all year long, but this time of year, we have more parties, and we gather together more. We're around family throughout the year, but, but in December, we see a lot more of our family. And I've determined that there are two types of family members. There, there are those that bring joy into our lives when they enter the room, and there are those that bring joy in their lives when they leave the room. But either way, people always bring some joy into our lives. And then year-round, we're, we're always finding ways to celebrate the people in our lives, and, and we give gifts, but this time of year, we give a ton of gifts. I, I read this week that, that last year, um, Americans spent almost $900 billion on uh, Christmas shopping. And they estimate that nearly 40% of that happened in the last 10 days before Christmas. So all you last-minute shoppers just know you're in good company. And, and all these things can, can bring some joy in, in our lives. And, and this lead-up to Christmas brings a lot of joy. But for a lot of us, this joy can just be a temporary moment. Um, and I don't know of a better illustration of the, the fleeting nature of Christmas joy than watching kids open up presents. Uh, my wife, Sarah, comes from a really big family, so when we gather with her family for Christmas, there are 16 grandkids. I mean, it's a zoo. Uh, and I remember a few years ago when we were over there, everybody gathers up all of their presents they have in front of them, and you do the countdown, three, two, one, and there is just a flurry of activity. And there's a fevered pitch of, of laughter and screaming, and, and all this wrapping paper just getting shredded all over the place. And it lasts for a grand total of about three or four minutes. And one time a couple years ago, uh, after the last present was opened up, uh, they, they, they look around, and one of the little guys in a sea of wrapping paper says, is that all? And just like that, all of the planning and all of the searching for the, the perfect gift and all of the anticipation and the excitement of the kids comes to an end. And the celebration is over. Nothing is as over as Christmas Day is when it's over. The, the, the Christmas tree looks a little bit sadder and droops a little bit lower without all those toys underneath it. Um, the Christmas decorations start to feel more like clutter 
after a couple of days. And just like the kids after all the presents are opened, the, the joy of Christmas, if we're not careful, can just be this fleeting experience in our lives. But the joy of Christmas it isn't meant to end once the actual day is over. And so that's what I want to spend some time talking about this morning. How do we keep this joy in our lives? Why is it that so many Christians lose their joy over time? Why is it that it seems like we have like a, a hole or, or a leak in our joy tank as we get older, as we go through the years? And more importantly, how is it that we can keep, how can we sustain and maintain this joy that we experience this time of year throughout the entire year? So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And we're going to look at a few of the things uh, that, that can kill our joy, some, some joy killers in our lives that rob us of the joy and then also look at some, some joy fillers, some regular practices that we can put into our lives to buoy up and to, to bolster our joy throughout the year. So we're going to look at a familiar story, the story of the Magi. And it picks up in verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Matthew loved the Magi. Uh, he spends more time on their story than even the narrative of the birth of Jesus. He, he quickly summarizes Jesus' birth and just said, Jesus was born. But he never mentions the shepherds or never mentions the manger. But he didn't want us to miss out on these seekers. And I think it's easy to see why, because their story is our story. We're, we're all travelers through this life. We're all seeking for something in this life. So who were these guys? We don't really know a, a lot about them, just that they came from the East. Most Bible scholars believe that they were, were men of, of wealth and they were highly educated and that they came from, from ancient Babylon. So their travels would have been hundreds of miles and would have taken them several months to get to Jerusalem. And along the way, um, they, they set off with very few details. All they knew was that there was this star and they were following the star, but they didn't know where it would lead them. And they would have had to have endured all these hardships of travel. I mean, being away from family and friends, the loneliness of being on the road. And there was no guarantee of ultimately where this star was going to lead them. And I think we're a lot like them. We're all seeking for something in this life. And we set off in a vague direction, but we don't really know where exactly we're going. And we don't really know what's around the bend. And this uncertainty is one of the potential joy killers in our lives. If you're taking notes, a lot of times it is the uncertainty of life that, that can draw us off course. And I'm sure that the first few days of the journey of these wise men, it was probably filled with a lot of excitement. But as the days continued on and as the miles continued to add up and this uncertainty remained, they, they had to have had times where they were questioning what they were doing. That, that some doubts entered into their minds and that there were probably some times like, hey guys, let's just turn around and head back home. Maybe you find yourself in, in a season of uncertainty, in, in a season of waiting. You're waiting for a diagnosis to come. You're waiting for your grief to come to an end. You're waiting for your anxiety to, to finally subside. Or maybe you're waiting for a relationship to mend where you're waiting for a prodigal to return home. And into that void of, of waiting, 
and into that void of uncertainty, it's easy for regret or worry or anger to enter into our lives. Sometimes in the silence of waiting, we look back on our lives and we get filled with regret and questioning ourselves and we beat ourselves up over some of the decisions that we made in the past. Or maybe you look ahead at the future and we worry. Worry, hands down, is one of the biggest joy killers that can enter into our lives. And it's in the absence of, of certainty, in the absence of clarity, our minds can sometimes go into worst-case scenario thinking and we become overwhelmed with anxiety and with fear. Sometimes as the days creep along without direction or, or certainty from God, any kind of resolution in our lives, we, we can become impatient with God. We, we can become angry with God for his seeming absence or, or silence or, or lack of leadership in our lives. And we can be tempted to, to give up on this journey with God through life. We're human. And these emotions come into our lives and the uncertainty of life can sometimes rob us of our joy. But we see from the Magi's um, ex uh, experience that, the, that there's the importance of, of patience, of perseverance, of, of remaining on this journey with God. Well, the story continues in verse 3. It says, when King Herod heard this, he, he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. We, we know a good bit about the historical person of, of Herod. He was appointed by the Roman government to be the king over this part of the Roman uh, Empire in, in around 40 BC. And he's remembered for, primarily for two things. One was his, his architectural and building prowess. He, he had a huge building campaign throughout uh, the, this part of the Roman Empire. He built one of the largest, if not the largest, ancient palace for himself there in Jerusalem. And he had this huge campaign to rebuild and expand uh, the, the temple in Jerusalem. But he also had a dark side. He was power hungry. He was greedy. He was paranoid. So much so that it's recorded that he had several of his wives and a few of his sons killed because he was afraid that they're going to come after his throne. So not knowing that, that Herod was a psychopath, the, the Magi come to him and say, hey, we're here to see the king of the Jews. You can imagine how this went over for, for this guy. He, it naturally came to his attention, and this insecurity and this fear started bubbling up out of his life. And if you think about it, it's amazing that, that God sent these wise men to Herod, that this incredibly wicked man, with this message that, that a savior had come. But his heart was so twisted and so hardened and so calloused by his pride and his power and his insecurity that he missed it. And the same thing can happen in our lives, that, that sometimes hard-heartedness can enter into our lives and, and it can rob us of joy. That we may not be as wicked as Herod, but we can be just as guilty of walking away from God, of shutting off God in our lives because of a refusal to see and to correct some sin in our lives. The simple truth is that if we have unaddressed and lingering sin in our, in our lives, that our hearts will grow harder, that our hearts will grow more calloused, that, that we'll lose a sensitivity to God's leading in our lives. And it's, it's easy to miss. 
It's this slow and subtle fade that, that sin can kind of twist our hearts and gradually draw us off course. And we're so good at justifying our behavior and our attitudes, of defending our behavior and our attitudes. And that's why it's crucial that, that we keep close tabs on the condition of our hearts so that we don't get drawn off course and lose the joy of God leading our lives. Well, as uh, the story unfolds, Herod is, is so distraught about this announcement that there's another king that's been born that he gathers all of the religious leaders and the teachers of the day to see if they know anything about this. Verse 4 says, When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born, and they said, In Bethlehem in Judea. No hesitation. They, they knew exactly what this answer was. They immediately knew the answer. They knew the town that he'd be born in based on a prophecy that Micah had spoken 700 years ago. 700 years ago, these words came, uh, these prophecies came to, to the Jewish people and that they, they'd studied and they had discussed and they had dissected all of these prophecies about the coming Messiah. So when this question came, it was right on the tip of their tongue. They knew that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. So think about this. Even with these wise men, traveling hundreds of miles to come before them. Even with this, the king calling this special meeting with them, they didn't even care enough to walk the six miles to Bethlehem to see for themselves if this prophecy had come, had come to fruition. Their lack of curiosity is stunning. So how did they miss it? I think they, they have just they have become so familiar with the story, with, with the expected uh, prophecy, that, they, that they've grown so comfortable reading and teaching and telling others about these prophecies that, that they missed it. They became too familiar, and they lost out on the fulfillment of it. And I think the same thing can happen in our lives. The third joy killer is familiarity. And, and it's really easy to, to teach this and, and to look at these Pharisees and to look at these teachers of the law and, and to see how clueless they were and how apathetic they were, that, that they missed out on this miracle of God. But this story isn't in the Bible so that we can just criticize them and rip on them. That The story is in the Bible for us to take a hard look in the mirror and say, is that true in my life too? Have I become so familiar with the working of God that I've missed out on the joy that it brings? And specifically those that, that have been believers for a long time can struggle with this. At some point in a believer's walk, they, they'll get to a place where they start to think, I know this already. I, I've already heard this before. I, I've tried the group thing. I've served in some capacities. I've read the Bible. Check, check, check. And, and we can get into this mindset where we have acquired the knowledge and acquired the experiences over the years. And the familiarity can lead to a place of apathy. And, and you start to take your relationship with God for granted. You, you don't pursue him like you once did. Worship becomes stale. R relationships feel more like a burden. And you would say that joy no longer describes your life. That, that is a well-worn path that a lot of believers have walked over the years, and it's sad to observe. And it can happen without you even knowing it. So I want you to think about your spiritual growth, your spiritual walk over the last three years. Just the last three years. How far have you come in three years in your walk with God? 
And would you be satisfied with that same kind of growth over the next three years? If you would say, you know, I, I don't know that my relationship with God has changed much over the last few years. Then there's a good chance that that familiarity is robbing you of the joy that God wants to bring into your life. So part of what it means to, to keep and to maintain joy throughout the year is to recognize these joy killers that can creep into our lives sometimes without us even knowing and being able to root those out. But there are also some practices that we can put into place, the, these disciplines that we can put into place that continually fill our lives with joy as well. And, and we learn some of those from what the wise men do. And we'll pick up in verse 9. It says, after, that they, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. This translation, the NIV translation, doesn't really do service to this word overjoyed. It, it literally reads that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Like they, they were overflowing with joy when they finally saw this baby Jesus. They, they couldn't contain their joy, and the celebration just came out of them at what they had discovered. And that's one of the practices that we can put in place if we want to experience joy throughout uh, our days, that we need to choose to celebrate. Um, one of the ways to increase the joy in our lives is to look for and to celebrate the goodness of God in our everyday lives. Scripture reminds us that, that every good and perfect gift that comes into our lives comes from the hand of a good Heavenly Father. So if we want to experience more joy in our lives, then we need to focus our attention on the good that God is up to in the world around us. Now, sometimes that can be difficult because we live in a broken world and our lives are filled with ups and downs. Our lives are filled with successes and failures, mountains and valleys, compliments from other people and criticisms from other people. So it gets really hard to find our way through it. But there's a choice that we have of what it is that we want to focus our attention on. And I'll admit that that, that doesn't necessarily come naturally to me. I, I'm kind of a, a glass-half-empty kind of guy that I, I tend to be critical about life and try to find the things that could be improved over time, and I overanalyze a lot of things. But Paul reminds us in Philippians that if we're going to, to experience joy in our lives, that we need to choose to focus and to fix our eyes on something else. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If you think about the flow of thoughts that come through your mind on any given day and almost look at like a scale in your mind, you don't really have to go looking for negative thoughts. They, they just kind of come into our lives. They're all around us. The, the, the bickering that we see on social media, the unkind words or the unfair criticisms of maybe some people in your lives or, or maybe just this relentless flow of negative news feeds. As we go through our normal day, we are constantly bombarded with negativity. And the scale in our minds just gets weighed down with negative thoughts. So we have to find a way to balance that out. We have to find a way to fix our eyes and to focus our thoughts on what is good. That we need to discipline ourselves to look for what is true and right and pure and lovely. These things that God brings into our lives. And when we see them, when we notice them, 
that we need to celebrate them and celebrate the giver of those things in our lives. And no celebration is too small. As you look through your day, maybe it's just a good conversation with a good friend, a beautiful sunset, a nice meal, hearing your kids laugh, or maybe it was an answered prayer that you've been praying for a long time. And as we celebrate those things, we're filled with joy. And even current secular psychology backs up this truth. There are a lot of studies out there that talk about the value that keeping a gratitude journal does in the lives of people. That they, There's all these studies that say that those that keep these kinds of gratitude journals are more satisfied with life, that they are less materialistic, that they have better overall health, that they sleep better, that they have greater resiliency when life gets hard. And that's just the way that God set it up, that as we begin to celebrate the goodness around us, that it brings this kind of sustaining joy in our lives. Each day is filled with the reminders of God's goodness and God's presence around us. And if we'll just slow down, train our eyes to focus our thoughts and our attention on these good things, these glimpses of his goodness, that we'll find that our joy will increase. Well, Matthew goes on to record a, a few of the ways that the Magi expressed their joy. He says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. It's quite a moment when these, these powerful and wealthy men bow down before a baby as this humble act of worship and honor and trust. These men of status and wealth, they bow their knees as if to say, you are king, not us. And it's what Herod failed to do. They bowed their hearts in humble um, worship of him. And that's the second joy filler that we can have in our lives is that we need to fight to trust God no matter what. There is a humility that is required when we trust God. Humility is trusting in God's character, trusting in his character enough to say yes, even when we don't understand what's going on, that we know his goodness and his faithfulness, and we say yes to that even if life is uncertain and we don't understand it. It's an acknowledgement that he is God and that I am not, and that he's stronger, and that he's wiser, and that he never fails. And if we can humbly place ourselves under his control and we can trust his plans, then we'll experience a different level of joy in our lives in spite of the valleys that come, in spite of the failures that may come, in spite of the uncertainty of life. Our home group a few weeks ago, we had a long discussion about how do we understand or how do we define what joy is? And it was a great conversation and I ran across a definition this week that, that allowed for me a, a better understanding or a, a depth of understanding of the kind of joy that God wants to, for us to experience in our lives. Joy can be defined this way. It's the unshakable assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be made right, and the determined purpose to praise God in all things. The idea that, that I can be joyful in all things, no matter what happens, because I know that, that God is sovereign and that God is in control, that he sees it all, that, that he knows it all, that he cares about it all, and that he will, in some way, use it all for good. 
And sometimes we may not see what that good looks like in our lifetime. But ultimately, he has promised that he's going to bring us into his presence, into a heaven that is free from sin and free from heartache and free from mourning that, that takes place in this broken world. And so I can be joyful and I can praise him for that promise while I am waiting, while I'm awaiting its fulfillment in my life. What Matthew continues in verse 11, it says, Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is what these guys are famous for. If anything else, we don't know how many magi there were, we don't know what their names were, but we know that they gave these three gifts. And a lot of, of Bible scholars see in these three gifts a, a foreshadowing of, of the different roles that Jesus came to fulfill. That the gold represents his kingship, his lordship in our lives. The frankincense was an incense that was burnt uh, in, in, in the temples, and it represents his, his priestly role, his mediator role between man and God. And the myrrh, which was an embalming agent, recognized his death and, and his role as a savior of the world through his death now i don't know that that they necessarily knew the significance of what these three gifts were but they brought these things because because they were valuable and because jesus was worth it so that's the third joy filler that we can do is that we can find opportunities to give to others jesus said that it's better to give than to receive and this time of year reminds us of that. As we go out and we find the gifts that, that bring a, a smile or a, a, to, to the face of a loved one, we experience the idea that it is actually better to give than to receive. And what Scripture says is that if you want to have continuous joy in your life, that, then you need to find the ways to keep giving your life away to others. Um, the more unselfish and the more generous that you become as you walk through life, the more joyful of a person you'll become. And the opposite is also true. That the more self-centered you become, the more stingy you become, the more miserable you're going to be. And giving isn't just about money. It's, it's expressing thanks or appreciation to, to someone you work with or, or your spouse. It's, it's giving your time and, and lending a hand to a neighbor that's in need. It's sitting with those who are grieving. It's asking those that are in your life how you can pray for them. And it lets them know that you care. See, God has entrusted us with time and talents and resources. And as we give those away to help other people, that God in return blesses our life, our lives with, with a deeper sense of joy that's almost unexplainable. It wraps up in verse 12. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So I, I, after these wise men met and worshipped Jesus, they, they were told by God not to go back through Jerusalem. And they were obedient to the promptings of God, and they went in a different direction. And so the last way for us to maintain joy and to keep joy in our lives is to follow God's leading in my life. That God is, is still leading. He, he, he's still guiding today he he has a plan and a purpose for your life that he wants to direct your life to achieve and two of the primary ways that god leads us is through his word and through the leading and the prompting of the holy spirit inside of us if you've been around here for very long you know one of the core values that that we hold to is that living god's way is better 
that God has given us his word. He's given us the scriptures as a guide to life. And we understand that, that his commands are, are for our good. And if we will align our lives to what he says is good and right, then we'll experience a better way to live. That, that, and the more that we get into his word and the more that his word gets into us, we will find that, that God is leading us in the direction of the fulfillment of the purpose and brings joy into our lives. Next year, we are taking, um, we're going to go through a journey through the entire Bible together as a church. Um, so we're looking forward to it. It's an ambitious endeavor that we've done, but beginning on January 8th, we're going to dive into God's Word for an entire year. We're going to go through the entire Bible in a year through a bunch of different avenues. Some will be here on Sunday morning through the messages, um, but we'll also have some reading plans. Uh, we're going to be having some discussion guides and gathering small groups together to, to make our way through this amazing story of God's grace and God's redemption. So I'd invite you to join us. We're going to kick that off on January 8th, and we'll have some stuff to hand out. But it's going to be an amazing journey to allow the scriptures to enter into our lives and to lead us. And the other way that, that God will lead us is through the, the prompting and the leading of the Spirit in our lives. Uh, that as we go through our days, our everyday lives, that, that if we are sensitive to it and we are quiet enough and listening to the Spirit, that He'll actually guide us. One of the things that, that I am, am entering, uh, incorporating into my days is to invite the Holy Spirit into the conversations that I'm having with people. That, that before I have a conversation, before I have a meeting with someone, I, I say a silent prayer to recognize and to pause for a second and say, Spirit, you may have something in store for this. You, you may want to lead this conversation in a certain direction. And so I, I try to be fully present to the person in front of me, but also fully present and sensitive to the leading of the Spirit during that conversation. That, that maybe there's something that I need to discern from the conversation, or, or maybe there's a particular scripture that I need to share, or, or some wisdom that he wants me to pass along to them. But as you yield yourself to God's leading through his word and through his spirit, he's going to use you in ways that you would never imagine, that, that you can really have an impact in furthering the kingdom of God going into the lives of the people around you, and your life will be filled with purpose and meaning and significance, knowing that you're partnering with God in what his mission is, and it will fill you with so much joy. Jesus came to bring us joy. This unshakable assurance that God is really in control. And that, that gives us this quiet confidence that I can trust and ultimately know that God's going to use everything for good. And that gives me then this purpose that I can praise God no matter what life brings. That's not just Christmas joy. That's a joy that we're meant to experience throughout our days. So as you look at your life, have any of these joy killers robbed you of experiencing that? Has the uncertainty of life brought you off course? Has the subtlety of sin or hard-heartedness or just the familiarity of your faith journey, has it brought you to a place where it's kind of sapped you of the experience of joy in your lives? We have to fight for joy. 
we have to discipline ourselves with some of these practices so that we can make sure that we remain in God's presence. So which of the joy fillers do, do you need to focus on in the coming days or coming weeks? Maybe it's choosing to celebrate. At the end of each day, looking back, and whether it's a gratitude journal or just being present and mindful of how God worked in your life during that day and expressing that celebration and that thankfulness to him. Maybe, maybe it's being generous to others in some way. Maybe it's diving into the scripture a little bit more so that he can lead your life. But whatever it is, examine what those things are that you may need to root out, some of those joy killers, but also what are the disciplines that you can put in place so that you can experience this fulfillment of joy in your life. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you sent Jesus so that we could experience the joy of your presence and your leadership and your guidance in our lives. God, we recognize that walking through this broken world, it, 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 it can be difficult to maintain, to keep joy in our lives. But thank you that you've given us your word, that you've given us your church and your people, that we can lift each other up and we can experience the joy of knowing you as our Lord and our Savior and the leader of our lives. God, as we prepare our hearts to, to celebrate the joy of Christmas in these coming days, I, I do pray that you would just give us clarity of the areas in our lives we need to walk towards, you give us the, the courage to make the changes that you are asking of us. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Quick reminder, come on out on Friday or Saturday, and a quick reminder that we will not have service here on the 25th, but we'll be back here on January 1st. Have a great week, guys.